Hello and welcome to the New Formations podcast, Conversations on the Masculine Journey. I'm Charlie Bensel and I'm one of the co-founders of this men's ministry. This is episode six and we're taking a short break from the What's This For Ours Thing series to bring you the second part of an interview with one of our favorite people, Pablo Giacopelli, live from Tel Aviv, Israel. Pablo is the author of two books, Holding On Loosely and The Modern Fig Leaf, and he's been a special friend to Tim and me since we were blessed to have him speak at one of our base camp bonfires a year or so ago. We know you'll enjoy hearing from him and his unique perspective on the journey of faith. Today we're talking about the heart, so stick around and enjoy the show. So we're back with uh, part two with Pablo Giacopelli, and uh, we're, we're going to pick up with talking about the heart. Uh, we kind of left off last time that, uh, you know, the mind is, we, we were never really meant to live from there, but from the heart. Yeah. Yeah. So, so basically that's what Jesus meant with, you know, you need a new wineskin to try and get a hold of this message that I've come to share. Wow. You know, the mind, the, the wineskin of the mind is no longer going to do it. You, you need a new wineskin, which is our heart. And the reason why we like our mind so much is because there we feel like we're in control of our lives and also in control of God. Um, and the problem is that neither of those are actually possible. Both of those are an illusion. And so we are, we are in an illusional journey which we call Christianity. Uh, and the reality is that, you know, we're not really interested in discovering who God really is or ourselves. We're just interested in using God to produce results for ourselves. And, uh, and so we are still measuring the progress that we have on, you know, how many times did we read the Bible this week? How many times did we pray? How many times did we do good things? How many doors did we hold for the old lady? How many people did we help across the street? How much money did I give? Did I go to church? Did I do the things that a Christian, whatever that means, is supposed to do? When you begin to live from your heart, you then begin to you begin to be led by the real identity of who you are. And so there it is no longer you realize that that is non-negotiable. You cannot lose your true identity because that is fused together with Christ. You are one with God in your heart. Uh, and so the performance is no longer relevant because it doesn't matter how good or bad you do, that is non-negotiable. You can't lose that. So you come into this incredible rest, the one that Hebrews speaks about, where you realize that, you know, you, you're actually you're actually a son. You know, underneath it all, you know, you know, God is your father. He gave you life. He created you. Too many of us, as simple as that and basic that sounds, we miss that. You know, we think because we hadn't put our hand up until we were 19 that some somehow we came from somewhere else and someone else sustained us. And so I say to people, so if God only joined my journey when I was 19, where was he before that? And in that case, if he only joined my journey when I put my hand up, so then he's conditional, like I always felt my father was with me. Because, you see, I have to do something for him. And, and that's the whole, the whole issue and the difference between living a life from the heart where you are no longer seeing this as a performance behavioral modification life, but you're seeing it as a place where, you know, instead of learning something new every day, you unlearn 
something new every day that keeps you from understanding who God is, how much and how well he loves you. But also at the same time, who you really are, which has got nothing to do with what you do or how you present to the world, which is what I was trying to say at the beginning. You know, um, it's, it's difficult to say because all those things I gave you were all labels and that's not really who I am. Right. When, so we swing from that performance, you call it to resignation, but then if we really are after God's heart, we can, we can rest and, and settle on that place in the middle where we can loosen our grip and hold on to what he's got for us. I mean, that's, that's a beautiful picture. Uh, we've been talking a lot about restoration. Um, that's, that's the picture I get. Uh, rest is something that Jesus talked about. Um, and he talked about the heart. You had, you said he, he talked about the heart 872 times in the Bible. Uh, well, God speaks 872 times about the heart in the Bible. Yes. Right. Yeah, he does. I mean, that's what he speaks about the most. Um, oh. And yet that's, that's often, you know, there's one verse in Jeremiah which has been mistranslated, uh, which basically people have used it for decades, even centuries, to discount the other 871 verses. Huh. Now, I think it would be fair to say that whoever, whatever someone speaks the most about is what interests, interested, interests them the most. Uh, and I think, you know, God speaks 872. He mentions it that many times. He mentions the word spirit 600 and something, but only, only 192 of those times is our spirit. The rest is, you know, God's spirit, the evil spirits, whatever. And then the, the, the mind, the soul, uh, gets mentioned, uh, I think it's 292 times. So there is a, a huge disparity about how much he brings the heart up. And I think, you know, it, Proverbs 4.23 says it well. He says, you know, take care of your heart because that's where life begins. Right. And I think God is trying to say something to us um, when he says that. Um, and, you know, the problem is most of us, we are either too wounded to even want to go in there and, and deal with it, or we're just completely unaware of our heart because, you know, life seems to make a lot more sense when we live it from our mind. It's a dangerous place for us to talk about in, in church circles and, you know, to give people the idea that they can chase after maybe their desire. Um, it just, it releases them too much, I think, for the control sometimes. Um, well, Jesus, you know, Jesus said that if we want to find our life, we, first, we have to first lose it. Now, how do you find something but lose it at the same time? So there, there clearly has to be two things there because you can't find and lose the same thing. So, you know, Jesus was clearly referring to our, our true identity that God had given us. But in other words, what that is saying is, you know, you have to lose who you think you are so you can discover who you really are. Um, and, you know, the, the, the crux of that is um, when Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus uh, at the beginning of John, in the, in the, in the, in the English-speaking Bibles, it says, you know, that he says to Nicodemus, you must be born again. Well, in Aramaic, he didn't say that. He said to him, you must, you must be born from the beginning. And there's a distinct difference between beginning and born again, because born again suggests you have to start all over. Beginning it suggests you have to go back to the beginning. So you have to understand where you came from and what happened there. 
And when you do, the gospel and Jesus and the whole relationship takes a completely different twist. And then it is much easier to relate from your heart because, you know, that's where your life begins to flow from. It is no longer made up as you go along. Suddenly you come into this reality where you realize who you really are and where you come from. And, you know, once your identity is settled, it's very difficult to really take you out. Uh, you know, the first thing that the enemy did in the, in the desert with Jesus was he challenged his identity, you know, three times. If you are the son of God, since you are the son of God, if you are who you say you are, then do this. Now, unlike Adam, Jesus doesn't fall for the trap where he has to try and validate and prove who he is by doing certain things outside so that, you know, he can prove his worth and who he really is. So he doesn't engage it. He just lets it go. And he says, you know, it is written. I'm not, you know, in other words, look, I don't, I, I know where I come from and I know what it, I know how, the, I know how the gig works. I'm, I'm not going there. Now, if Jesus was a man that lived from his mind, he would have acted on that very quickly because it would have been good for his ego. I mean, could you imagine talking to the rocks and turning them into bread? But you see, Jesus was not engaging his journey from his mind. He was in journey in his, engaging his journey from his heart. And, uh, and that's, that's the difference. In our heart, we can see, we can hear, we can understand. In our mind, we can only store information about God. We, we can't know God. Hmm. So he got to know the guys around him, he didn't give training classes on, okay, here's how you guys are going to do this. This is what this is step one in the process of building a church. He, instead, he took three years to, to walk with these guys in their lives and to speak sure. to them about the heart. Yeah, and you know, the beautiful thing about that, that you bring that up, what happened to the behavioral modification with Peter? Because there he is after three years. Not only does he cut a guy's, uh, a guy's ear off, <laughs> when things go and get under pressure, but then he swears, denies him and runs away. Right. I mean, you know, what happened to the behavioral modification? <laughs> and, and in reality, Peter was just the one that royally screwed it up, but they all run away. Right. I mean, the Bible clearly says so. So what happened to the behavioral change and the modificational side of these people's lives? You know, clearly Jesus was after something, you know, he was not so disturbed by their performance and their outward behavior as much as he was about trying to get them to see what was within them. You know, the kingdom of heaven is within us. And so Jesus focused mainly and primarily on helping them to see what they couldn't see and helping them to understand who he was and who he was in them and who they were in him. Because again, you see, in the Aramaic, I think it's uh, John 14 or John 17, where in the American, not the American, but the English speaking, which is obviously a Greek translation, you know, Jesus says to him, you know, on that day you will see that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. And in the English, he says, like, I will be within you. In Aramaic, he says to them, like, I am in you. Now, he's there with him in the flesh. So, again, you know, Jesus was a man. And what was the beautiful thing about Jesus you know, okay, he was a beautiful man, but what was the most attractive part of Jesus was the Christ within him. And that is, again, when we meet Jesus with our mind, we shake hands with a man. When we meet him in our heart, we receive the embrace of the resurrected Christ. And that makes a very, very substantial difference to the way our journey then works out. That's a, he, that's a beautiful picture. 
Um, so we talk about relationship in what we do and the importance of that and trying to build on each other's lives. You talk about your friend Vern helping you with the book. Was that Vern Heinemann? Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, they, um, that's fantastic. Uh, Tell us about the, how others have poured into your life and the relationships to help you discover this kind of stuff along the way. Well, I wish I could tell you, but I haven't really had that many people um, apart from Vern, who, uh, in fact, I spoke to him today. Um, you know, Tim, my, my, my journey with God, either God is real or he isn't, uh, or if he isn't, then I wouldn't be talking to you and I wouldn't be the man that I am today. Uh, I had something happen to me the other day when I was uh, I was smoking a cigar outside. Um, I was outside, and there's usually four chairs around the table. You, wait, and, you smoke uh, cigars? I do, yeah. Oh, I my God. Cubans. <laughs> what a, and I, I, smoke Cub- I, I smoke Cuban ones, proper ones. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, um, and so I, um, I was sitting outside, and there were three chairs. There's usually four, but I had taken one chair down to the basement to do some work. And, uh, and the two chairs were actually facing me and there I was and then suddenly as I'm smoking my cigar I became incredibly aware that in one chair Jesus was sitting on one chair and the father was on the other chair wow. I mean I became incredible so much that you know we have a, a security camera outside of <laughs> our yard and my wife wasn't home she was out with the kids and later she sent me a message saying why why have you been out there for an hour and a half just sitting there what are you doing <laughs> and you know, I and and listen to this. So there I am, and I, I and then suddenly I think I need to get a third chair for the Holy Spirit, <laughs> and that's and that that says to me, no, that's okay. He's within you. He He's inside you. you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and you that's... know, and and it was so amazing that I finished my cigar, I finished my drum weed, and I couldn't leave this space i just i just didn't want to leave it and i stayed out there for an hour and a half after i finished smoking just because i didn't want to leave that moment and you see i sometimes think if i had people around me i'm not so sure that moment would ever happen no you're probably right there's there's some blessings in in isolation sometimes i guess but uh and for this time and for this time yeah and for this time of my life I believe that I'm meant to be isolated and on my own in the desert. I think the desert is a place you got to travel on your own. You, you, you can have people around you, but you got to go through it on your own. You cannot uh, rely on others because, you know, the only one that we're meant to rely on is God. And so, you know, Vern is one of them. Uh, you know, there are a few other people that I, of course, um, have spoken to from time to time. But the reality is in the last several years, you know, over half a decade, it's really been burned. I mean, of course, I got you guys, you know, Tim, we've spoken and stuff, you know, you're well, a dear friend. I'm just going to say how much I appreciated the time that you spent with me and, you know, yeah. just just an hour, you know, every couple of weeks on a podcast or over the Skype thing is, you know, it's been a blessing to me to be yeah. able to hear you and um, to be friends with you, you know over a long distance and then we saw you in purpose and you came to our, our bonfire which was great and yeah. preached a powerful message and squirrels were falling out of the trees and uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
No, well, if anybody you know, ever questions thing, to, uh, yeah, whether you can is, preach you know, the gospel, they, they, you can let it roll, that's for sure. Well, the thing is, you know, I, 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 I mean, that's, that's my life. And, and, and most of what you see, it's, it's God-induced, it's God-infused, it's God-inspired, and it's God-led. You know, it's not something that I learned from other people and then I just rebranded with my own name or my own story or whatever. You know, I share what I live, and even down to the quotes I share on Facebook. You know, those are things that I, they just they just come to me. You know, and uh, and it's, it's inspiration that gives me. Would I love to have a new formations here in Israel with guys like you? Of course I would, and I would be there in every meeting, and I would love it. But I think you know I would also make time for myself and to be by myself because mm -hmm. I believe then I would be a greater blessing when I came together with you guys. Uh, as opposed to, you know, I would come in to give as opposed that, that's another beautiful thing when we live from our hearts. We live to give. We don't just live to take. And life is like breathing, you know, we take, but we must also give. But when we don't live from our hearts, it's hard to do that. You know, we mainly see these meetings and these things as places that we go to take because we don't really understand who we are. So we don't think we have much to give. And so like breathing, you know, we're taking but we're not giving. So that's why a lot of us in our faith, we are suffocating and we somehow are, are struggling to, you know, to, to make this thing called Christianity work. Well, we, we love what you share on Facebook and, uh, you know, we follow you all the time. And uh, so you, I saw you were, you were over in Asia last year. Yeah, I was. I was in China. Uh, I was invited uh, two, two times. Um, got to speak to thousands of people wow. and, uh, yeah, China was challenging though, because you got to use an interpreter and right. you know, it, it, what, you know, what would take in America 30 minutes, it takes three and a half hours over there. So, and you know, you could find yourself preaching three times in one day. So you'll be preaching 11 hours that day. And, uh, it was, but it was amazing. You know, I, the message of 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 identity and and sonship and daughtership and just being a beloved of God and that being enough, not having to add anything to that, they welcome it so much because of course they have been raised in a very sort of performance driven society, and even to a certain extent the church kind of you know offshoots that. Uh, had some amazing miracles there as well. You know, got to speak in places where I really should have been cleared by the government three months before, and I wasn't. And the door was open. And you know, they have the government have spies amongst the crowd. Um, and uh, you know, it, it's real. You know, it's 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 not <laughs> it's not free and 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 relaxed, and you can do whatever. It's real. You know, but I just. You know, that's where dad took me, and, and I saw dad do some amazing things. Got to go to Hong Kong as well and preached on the the Sky Church, which is, they meet in the top of a, a building that is like 79 stories. Wow. And, uh, yeah, I got to speak up there, and, you know. But there, yeah, but the performance-based issues still, even in that kind of environment, they still are dealing with that kind of stuff. I think every human being deals with it. Wow. You know, I think, you know, when we are born, we are given a nationality, a religion, a name, a family name, a culture, and a family tradition. You know, we are given six things before we have even taken our first step that we have to live up to. And, you know, we are covered with those six leaves. Bang, there you go. That's who you are. But that's not really who you are. 
That's so, what you've been born into. That's so what you help people into. discover who they are. I yeah, in my in my work, um, I I help people to shed the, the the fig leaves that cover them, like Adam covered himself, which prevent them from understanding. First of all, how well and how much they are loved by God, and second, you know who God is in them and who they are in God, and and that's really the crux of my work uh, that I do uh, with people. That's what we want to give you a, a chance to tell us. Tell us how we can contact you, how we can follow you, the different ways. What are you doing right now? Um, well, um, if you want to do, uh, if you want me to do uh, spiritual coaching, I can do that. Um, the best way to contact me is either through my Facebook page or my website, which is www.thezoneproject.com. So we'll that's put the all zone that in the show notes. Yeah, you can put that up. Um, I have various, uh, you know, all my books have a page on uh, on Facebook as well. Uh, I'm on Instagram. Uh, you can put my email as well. There's various ways to contact me. Um, and at the moment, I'm working with various people. You know, I'm working with people in church leadership. I've work, I'm working with people in uh, CEOs. I'm working with a CEO of a company, a big company in uh, Switzerland. Um, I work with uh, just normal, regular people that go to work every day. Um, I'm working with uh, people that are, you know, music uh, superstars. So anybody really, anybody and everybody. Uh, I don't really, uh, I don't really choose and select people. Sure. Uh, I just, I just basically welcome whoever that you know, brings my way. I worked with a very famous guy called uh, Tim the Rockman down there from uh, <laughs> Well, he, he gives you high, high regards yeah. and, and high remarks for sure. I, yeah. I've really been blessed by by the time that you spent with me and just uh, yeah. and you know, I do it, that, brother. Yeah, and I, and I, you know, and the reason why I'm happy to work with just, even though I could be selective and work with, you know, people in very prominent places, is because I see the value of each human being because I see them with the eyes that God sees them because yeah. I'm using the eyes of my heart. And, uh, so, and so for me, everybody is equally the same, you know, as everybody else. Yeah. Pablo, I, I'm a I mean, big fan of, of, of coaching and kind of having someone walk through our, uh, our, our heart stuff with us. And I know coaching has been tremendous for me. And I'm just wondering for those of, you know, that are listening that don't really understand what spiritual coaching might be. Can you say a little bit more about what that is in case they're interested? Yeah, well, first of all, a coach, basically all a coach is, is someone that has a different perspective than the one you have. Um, and basically they can see things you can't because you're in the middle of the game and they're just watching it from outside. A little bit like American football, you know, you got the guys on top of the stadium that are watching the game from up there and they're feeding information down to the guys at the bottom because, of course, from up there they can see things that the other guys can't. It doesn't make them better than them. It just gives them a different perspective. Mm -hmm. uh, spiritual coaching is basically I, I, I walk hand in hand with you back into your heart and you tell me your whole story. And as you tell me your story, I see portals, uh, you know, portals like the little holes that in construction sites they put up against the fence. So you, if you put your eye right up against it, you can see what's going on inside. Um, and those portals give me insight into your heart and give me insight into basically what's going on inside of you. And 
while sometimes I can see a lot through that portal, often it's just a, a, a hunch. I begin to ask you questions and we begin to work together. Um, and just to give you one example, I started working with a young lady eight weeks ago who has been doing professional counseling and psychology uh, sessions for nine years. Nine years, okay? In eight weeks, she was crying on the eighth week when we were talking. And uh, I said to her, are you okay there? And she says, yeah, she says, you know, I just need you to know, and I, and I gotta tell you this. She says, in eight weeks with you, I have progressed and I have healed more than I ever did in nine years of professional counseling and psychology. So, whilst I like to take the credit for that, um, the only credit that I will take is that I held her hand and I walked in there with her. Um, and, you know, I handed her over to Jesus, which is what I do. And then Jesus is the one that does what he does Amen. because he's the only one can do it. Well, like I said, so, that's, that's what you did with me. And, and uh, I can't recommend you enough. It's been... Uh, a great journey it's been great talking to you again my friend um been too long since i've heard your voice yeah yeah it's always good to hear your voices too yeah i'm, I'm wondering we've we've got just a couple of minutes left i i that want to ask you a couple of questions real quick first off any new books in the works and second off uh what about your israel tours Yes, uh, glad you asked about that, Charlie. First, I'll, I'll tackle the Israel one. Uh, I'm doing retreats out here, um, which basically the crux of them, uh, they're nothing like anything else available. Uh, they're not really a tour, even though we see the sites. But what we try and do is we try and use the discoveries of archaeology to inspire you and God to do archaeology of your heart. Awesome. And yeah, and that's what we basically do. And um so we present a side of the Bible that is not really often considered. We present other, other possible meanings of what Jesus could and would have said, um, you, no, would have meant when he said what he said, um, mainly uh, inspired from living in the land, uh, understanding the culture that Jesus came from, uh, the people that he was talking to. And also, obviously, insight from the Holy Spirit that, you know, gives us eyes to see and ears to hear. So that's available. That is, uh, people can find out more about those in UncommonSpiritualRetreats.com. And we call it Uncommon because that's exactly what it is. You know, I mean, say, for example, one of the things we do, we visit Mount Arbel, which is where Jesus sat and prayed all night before he walked in the waters of the Galilee, where, you know, in the middle of a storm when he met the disciples. So we go up there and we, we spend two and a half hours, each man all on his own up there. And we have, had, we have had things from Jesus appearing to one guy who cried for two and a half hours solid and couldn't stop crying even after he came down, to another guy um, basically God giving him a, a new name and, and such was the impact and such was the reality of the encounter with Christ that the guy went home and tattooed it on his chest. <laughs> so, you know, the, the, we, we basically, we say to people, we are facilitating the event and God undertakes it. I mean, it's God's retreat. And uh, what, we are, what we are seeing is remarkable transformation 
to the point where people that have been here three years ago are still talking about it. They're still talking to each other. And the, whatever was ignited here while they were here, it is still ongoing, it's developing. Um, so very exciting. I'm very excited about that. Very excited project. Uh, we have another retreat in September. So if guys are interested to that, you know, places are filling up for that. So I would encourage people to check that out. And as far as a book, there is another book that I am interested in writing. Um, and it's got to do, uh, I've been talking to a friend about it, writing it with him. It's, I wanna, we want to call it the, the genie in the book. And um, it comes from the genie in the bottle, you know, where if somebody sure. finds the bottle and rubs it and the genie comes out and then the genie has no choice but to give them three wishes. And it's a little bit how the Bible has become that to us. Uh, like we have to find a way of letting God out of there. And that once we do that, we, we find a way to get him to do what we want instead of allowing him to show us what he wants to do. I'm already coming under uh, conviction. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, and so it, it's, yeah, it, it's an interesting book. It's something that was uh, sparked from an event that I went to two years ago in Oklahoma called The Conversation that a good friend of mine, which actually is another guy that I have been speaking to and spending time with called Mark Eaton, who is a, a really cool guy. Um, and also being someone who I have from time to time, not as often as Vern, of course, but from time to time, I, I do bounce ideas and things off and, and he listens to me and I listen to him. Um, so yeah, it's a book that I'm definitely, you know, playing around with and, and thinking about. Uh, and I feel God is obviously uh, taking me in that direction. And it's going to be very much to encourage people to read the Bible, as opposed to what people may think that I'm trying to say, but to look at the Bible with the right set of eyes and to see it really uh, as an excuse that God uses to show us something deeper and greater than what we read on the pages. Um, and that it is not a prescription for life, but instead it's a description of how people related with God in their own way. Hmm. And for us to look at that and then get encouraged by it, but at the same time not try and model our relationship by the way they did it. Yeah. Well, that's, that's one thing we can say about you, my friend, is that every time we're around you or we talk to you or we have you come to the United States, which I hope is soon again, uh, you know, you touch people's lives and and you really just are able to work through all the all the nonsense and the religiosity and, and cut to the chase and we really appreciate that about you always always fresh and uh, always catches me off guard and I really appreciate it <laughs> and that's something <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, your works have had significant impact in my life they really have um, and I'm grateful, grateful to have read them and even more grateful to, to have met you and know you a little bit. Yeah, well, the feeling is mutual, guys. You know, I, 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 so, I so love what you're doing. You know, I know there's a multiple amount of men's ministries out there, and I've had a chance to collaborate with, with many of them. But there is something real, raw, and uncensored about you guys that I really appreciate. Um, and, I, and, I, and I love you guys dearly and deeply because I see that same ruggedness, that same, you know, you're men that are not about showing your trophies, you're about showing your scars, which is what Jesus showed to Thomas. You know, Jesus could have come out into that room 
and would have come up with the biggest trophy in the world and showed him that, and he deserved that and much more. But yet he showed him their, his scars. And it's amazing that God never healed those scars in Christ. He could have done, but he didn't. And he left them there to give us hope that if he could heal Jesus, he could heal us. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, and the thing, the thing is, you know, I love you guys because I know in the work that you do, you meet people where they are instead of trying to expect people to come to where, you know, you are kind of thing. And you love people as they are and not as they should be. Um, and, uh, and I love that about your ministry, and, and I know God loves that about your ministry. So that's why I have no problem being up at 11 o'clock at night here talking to you, because for me, <laughs> well, this, we is really appreciate this, that, this is life. No, no, and I, and I mean that. I mean that because, you know, I, I wouldn't do that just for anybody. But you guys, you know, I, 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 know the fa- I know Dad, and I will use the Father, you know, to qualify it further. <laughs> I know Dad is incredibly proud of you guys, and he's, he's incredibly proud of the work you're doing. Because you get something about Christ that many other men's ministries don't. And I'm happy to say that live in front of the speaker or whatever. You do get that. You get that. Live via Skype uh, from Tel Aviv is Pablo Giacobelli. Yeah, Yeah, you can say it. I don't have a problem. And, um, (laughs) you know, I'm naked already. So it is, you know, or as naked as I have ever been. So, you know, it's okay. So maybe it's good you're that mile far away then now that you're naked. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean that. I mean that. There's something very, uh, you know, there's something very, very real about it. And uh, and I appreciate you guys very much, too. Well, we love you, man. Yeah, we do. Great Thank talking you. to you. Thank you so much. All right. We'll be sure to put all your contact info in the show notes. If anyone wants to order a book, go on a tour or mm. talk to you about spiritual coaching. Friends, thank you for listening to the New Formations podcast, Conversations on the Masculine Journey. Find out more about us on social media and check out our website at newformations.com. It's the word new, the number four, then the letters R-M-A-T-I-O-N-S dot com. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast, write a review and share it with others. Lastly, we have links to all of Pablo's information in the show notes of this podcast. We hope you check him out. He's a great guy. Thanks again, and until next time, goodbye.